Kitchell. Welcome to Remind Authentically Podcast. This podcast is for you who wants to learn more about how to discover your uniqueness, trusting your body and intuition again, and getting in tune with your inner guidance. I'll be taking you through my personal experiences since my first rock bottom in 2017 until today. I hope to inspire others by sharing tools and aha moments that helped me along the way in my quest of reminding myself of my authenticity. So one of my first blog posts uh, is about my first rock bottom moment. Well, um, I guess I mean my first rock bottom, bigger rock bottoms in my career. Uh, As I think we have many rock bottoms throughout our whole lives. It could be romantically or uh, letdowns emotionally or in this case um, your work. For me because I'm so focused on finding purpose in my life this has been very much about my career so this was definitely one of my first um, big career rock bottoms. Um, I've been working at this architectural office for two years. I'd had a lot of fun there. Actually, uh, I was quite a different me, I think. Um, I was partying a lot. I had a lot of money for the first time in my life. And I was single um, and just partied and worked. (laughs) Um, So I finished my education quite early. I was 23 when I graduated and I guess I'd just been very focused about finishing um, and and getting a job. Um, So two years have gone by with parties and hard work and all of a sudden it was like I just couldn't recognize myself anymore. So I started feeling really sad about that and um, I was also pretty stressed at work and I guess that mix of feeling sad and being stressed, I just couldn't hide it anymore. So I would actually, <laughs> actually had a moment where I had to talk with my manager and my boss and I was crying and they sent me home. And um, a lot of things were just shattering me. I was so fragile uh, when I think back. Like either I could just have this really strong face on until I couldn't hold it anymore and I'd just break down. And it was really embarrassing if that happened at work. So mix of it was also just that I didn't really know how to set my boundaries yet but it was also this realization um, of me not getting to do the plan that I had set out for myself Um, so at 18 I had decided to that I wanted to become an architect and 
I didn't believe that I could become an architect or I guess I didn't believe that I could pass the test to get into the school. So I've heard about um, this other degree um, called an architectural technologist. So in Denmark, where I grew up, these are the two sort of trades. The architects more for design and the architectural technologist works more like the middleman between the engineer and the architect. So when I heard about this education, I thought that was quite smart because then I'd know how to build the house before I had to design them. And actually that was my biggest fear is that like, how could I ever design a house if I didn't know how they were built? And I had a lot of fears about not being good enough. Um, so I took this route and I also knew that if you got good grades at this school, the architectural technology school, I could automatically get in to the architecture school if I applied. So my plan was first to just do the education and apply for the architecture school every year. But then a lot of other things happened. I had a boyfriend in Canada and we wanted to move in together and make the long distance relationship work. and. Um, I guess I finally moved to Canada and wanted to be there, but I just wasn't happy. But that's the whole, whole of the story. So right before I graduated, I ended up moving back to Copenhagen. So I was single for the first time in maybe three years and, um, and graduated. And I think because there, there had been so much going on in my life at that time, I just wanted things to be more stable, so I wanted to get a job, and I thought I can always apply for the architecture school later. Um, a month goes by, and I get this job at an awesome office, one of the best in Copenhagen. It's through a fellow student, and it was just what I needed. It was cool office. I thought it was pretty fun work, and there was a lot of good mix of young and more uh, skilled people, older, <laughs> seniors, <well. laughs> whatever, maybe not seniors, but um, so I had a lot of fun there, two years goes by, and all of a sudden I'm just so unhappy, uh, and this is also because the Danish government made this rule that you couldn't get two educations anymore, so I had been sort of gathering confidence and learning um, through my work the two years that it, through the two years that had gone by, but um, I always had this thought that I wasn't going to be in this job forever. I was going to go back and study architecture, and then I'd be the real like person or version of me that I wanted to be, and. The thing was that I actually felt sort of like the architectural technologist education was below me in a way because I always had this idea that I was more like an architect, I dressed more like an architect, I was more creative and like all these sort of superficial idea of what an architect is and also I just thought an architect was cooler. So I also got faced with this like all the way through when I just started um, 
my new job was like people would constantly come up to me ask me hey who are you like what's your name and what do you do and I'd tell them that I was an architectural technologist and they'd sort of look at me and be like oh oh I thought you looked more like a an architect but I guess I guess you're like that's fine and cool and I always felt like people would like go from thinking I was really cool and creative to like this more like rigid um practical person and I just hated being put in that box so uh, what I realized later is that I used so much energy on proving to everyone that I wasn't that of like I wasn't an architectural technologist even though I was and like sort of creating this image that like oh yeah like architectural technologist is just like middle way I'll just wanted to go out and get some some uh, practical um, skills before I'll go back to architecture school and I'll probably um, like do that in a year or two um, and then a year goes by and it's like time to apply for architecture school but I had I had so many deadlines at that point that I tried to do it but I just couldn't get myself to do it and I remember talking to my roommate that year and she was sort of like well you know you can always just apply next year and I was like yeah you're right I'll just do it next year and then another I think maybe half a year or like almost a year goes by and the Danish government makes this rule about no double education so that's sort of when I was really unhappy in my work. I was like, fuck, I'm going to be locked in this job title that I hate and I don't think it's me. And I'll have to be doing this work forever. Like there's no, I thought architecture was going to be my easy way out. Um, so, and this was sort of like, a tough moment for me because it had been my plan for six years and all of a sudden it just couldn't work anymore so I felt really imprisoned and my brain just started working over time like what should I do now what's my plan should I stay or should I find like some other way to get my architect education so I found another way and I went to one of these like like a it's called a high school in Danish um, but I guess it's like a place where you'd go for half a year and I could study architecture there and I thought maybe this was going to be my way in there um, and this would change the whole job for me after half a year there I sort of realized architecture is still going to be the same like it's actually not going to be that different so this whole like golden picture I had painted for myself of what architecture would be for me if I could just study it um, I sort of realized like this is not going to change it like five years of architecture school is not going to change what the job is about who the people I'm working with are and what their priorities are so after this I really had <laughs> a tough time figuring out 
what I want it to be and of course going through all these things I was slowly starting to think like what was my decision based on and I guess when I look back I sort of see myself as this pretty responsible young adult uh, I'd always been good at taking care of myself and even help paying rent at home uh, from when I was like maybe 17 or 18 and I'd always had a part-time job uh, since I was about 15 or 14 and made my own money so that I could buy my own things and I actually really liked this I liked the freedom it gave me and I also really liked the respect it gave me from the adults around me um so when um so I had just been really good at sort of following like what my parents had told me I should do and because I was such a responsible and nice young adult I got a lot of success and recognition for how responsible I was and that sort of soothed my ego too so but when I finally had to make this decision in school um, what I wanted to be I actually didn't really know what I wanted to do I knew I wanted to do something with design because everybody else in my class were either doing design or uh, social sciences and um, I definitely knew I wasn't good at that <laughs> so design sort of seemed like the obvious option and I'd always been told that I was creative so I guess I started this thought process um, where I'd ask myself what things could you imagine doing um, and I'd think of like a few things and then I think the ego takes over a little bit too and you'll start start thinking to yourself like well like how would you like to feel or like what um what reaction would you like from people when you tell them what you do you know you have this whole dream of like who you can become if you do the right education and then I guess subconsciously you're like after your ego has sort of like picked out these like really cool things you'd like to tell people that you are subconsciously you're sort of thinking to yourself like well what do I actually feel worthy of and could I take that responsibility? And I guess that's where my doubt kicked in. And I'm, I was sort of thinking, am I even good at this? So that's when my doubt took over and my, my subconscious beliefs about myself, I guess. And I was like, definitely not good enough for architecture school. So I'd have to pick like another route um, and uh, I guess it's very different what ends up being the one like the thing that makes you take the final decision 
but for me it was definitely doubting my own abilities and because I'd also been so responsible responsible my whole life and my parents had just gotten divorced when I was 17 I sort of had this feeling that everything was a little bit out of control around me both a little bit emotionally inside um, and also out like around me so I decided to go with this really sensible career and a choice um, that I also felt would m- meet least resistance and a creative career which is also sensible is often an architect it's also something we think are really cool today it was very hip back then and it still is today and especially in Scandinavia and um, I guess and I've also seen my dad do it my whole life so I guess I should tell you that he's an architect (laughs) so I sort of knew like what I was getting into in a way but I don't really think I used too much time thinking about what made me happy to do and what lit me up. And I don't even think I knew what I was even good at. I was just sort of medium good at everything. <laughs> but nothing had really like drawn my, my attention like 100% for a consistent time in throughout my life so I didn't really have this um, sort of idea of what I was good at but now when maybe I'm getting to know myself a little better (laughs) um, I also sort of think that I had a very narrow um, view of what first of all what creativity was Um, I sort of thought it was just like being artistic and drawing and um, but today I realize creativity is writing and talking and just creating in all sorts of different ways Um, not just something that's a product or design Um, and second of all I don't really think I recognized the skills I had as skills um, because they weren't these like obvious skills as being good at drawing or being good at writing or spelling or being really good at math or something. It's like I think a lot of my skills as a little girl and (laughs) throughout my life was I know I was very creative but it was in very different ways and it was about creating with others and so I definitely see that I was good at bringing people together I was always told that they really liked having me at my schools so I had really good social skills and I was also good at bringing people together in a common project and creating something But for me, that wasn't very special. I thought that was just something everyone could do. And didn't really consider it as a skill, you know. 
The truth is that we all do have gifts and a unique set of skills. Um, and I, I needed to expand my view and interpretation of what gifts and skills could be. And in a way, I feel like we all sort of have to do that in society today. Um, I wish that we're in the future would be better at acknowledging our differences and learn how to master our uniqueness to an extent where we would have, um, where we wouldn't have to compete in a way anymore uh, and push ourselves into specific job titles. And I think this is a really important task um, for the future and especially to learn our children. Um, when I think about the future, I think the way we'll find jobs will be very different. I think it'll be more common to come up with your own job titles instead of trying to educate yourself um, or like come up with your own job titles and your own jobs even um, instead of trying to educate yourself into sort of pushing yourself into this like certain job or job title um, and I think um, I think this might be a really big change that's happening in the world and especially in the job field in the future at least that's sort of how I see it going um, and and if we're more confident in our personal skills and aware that no one else can do what we do in the way we do it we would also be much better at creating um, and do jobs that would fulfill us. And even if this future that I'm explaining wouldn't even happen, then I don't think that, like, I don't think it's a bad thing to know anyways. Like, knowing and being comfortable with what you are and who you are, um, it's never really uh, bad. <laughs> um, and I don't think it would be a disadvantaged situation to be in. So especially when I look back at my first job and when I crashed, um, I used to think that my employer would like that my employer, like he would know when to stop giving me more work or he would know when I deserve to get a different task so my work varied enough. And, um, but, but I see now that I could have made my life and his life so much easier by knowing myself better, like knowing where I thrived and where I didn't and when I'd reached my limits and why. And um, I used to just think that I had to be open to any task and I would like be this person who could just do anything, you know, and, um, and I thought that like, well, if I had this job, like I'd have to fit into all the boxes and I just have to do that. Um, but in reality, I think an employer who knows, um, or like an employee, sorry, an employee who knows their strengths and weaknesses and, and know when it's time for a change or know when 
they need rest or a break is a much more valuable employee for um, for a business than a burned out, tired and discontent employee. Uh, and especially one that's trying to be something they're not. Um, the quality of work will get done. It's just not... Um, it would not be very good and like why would anyone like why would any employer want that <laughs> so in a way like who are we trying to do a favor here <laughs> like no one in the end and um i think you it's time that you sort of or i guess we all just go out and <clears throat> find our limits and know our strengths and I'm trying to say this without sounding too cheesy. Um, and it's also important to know that it's your responsibility to know yourself better than your employee, right? And I guess I sort of used to have a very different approach to that. Um, I felt like I was the new person at work and therefore like he would know when the general limits were for everyone and that therefore I would like work until they were like this is this normal limit and now you can stop but I also had this idea that we're all the same and that's one of the biggest things I've figured out this last two years is we're all just so freaking different and it's up to us to know how we're different than others and um, and be honest about it. And I don't think there's any shame in that. So don't be ashamed of your weaknesses. We're all human and get clear on what your skills and gifts are. And when you sit down and do this, be really open-minded. Just think about like what skills could be um even take an example as the term being an empath how that has um it's like sort of a new term and maybe for some people it's a quite new like they've never heard it before and for others it's a, a very general term in their life but <clears throat> being an empath is like being very sensitive to others energies and um like i guess that's sort of the big thing there's much more um to it but just the term an empath has been generally more like recognized today as a gift you're born with and uh people are pretty open to it being something that you use professionally now too so when you sit down and do this Try and go another way than just thinking of a skill as something you can put on your CV. Um, we've done that a hundred times and it'd just be the same list that you come up with. So think of things that you like to do by yourself or what you like to do for others, maybe. And also think about what other people tell you that you're good at, either at your old jobs or friends and family. Um, and also start to recognize if you get 
a compliment from someone from something you're good at do you not believe them when they tell you that you're good at this or do you hate when they recognize that you're good at this or do you not feel worthy or feel like you could take a compliment for for being good at this and this might also sort of paint a picture if there are some skills and values that you either don't recognize or value in yourself um, and sort of this might sort of open up to maybe there's other things that you have to work with and that's why you can't see that you have these gifts or skills um, so list these things down when you recognize them or hear them from people at work or friends and family and I guess I should tell you that I've tried to do this many times too and it's not really easy um, <laughs> I've not really been good at it or I've, I get I've, I guess I've tried and failed many times and it's not just something you sit down and do once and then you never look at it again and then you're clear in your skills it's something you continuously go back to and you look at and um, you do these lists many times and you try different approaches and different exercises and maybe slowly you'll start to recognize and admit to yourself that this is actually you and something that you're good at at least that's how I felt um, It's uh, not before I started to get honest about who I truly was that I started to recognize uh, some of the skills um, I had as good skills. Um, before I used to try and find the skills in myself that I didn't have but my ego sort of wished I had, <laughs> if you get me. Um, and I think I was pretty good at adapting these skills that I wish I had, uh, practice them a little bit, and feel like I could do it pretty well. But I'd always just end up feeling like I was running on autopilot, and in the end I'd burn out. And I'd just like do this over and over again. Uh, fake it until I didn't make it, if you get me. <laughs> So in the end, I was just like, this is not a fulfilling way to spend this one life that I have been given, you know, uh, need to do this better, Natalie. <laughs> um, and when you start looking at the skills and gifts within you, you might not be able to recognize them, at least. That's why I kept on just going the the ego way I guess like what would I like to be good at instead of being like what what do you do already but I think I'd feel a lot of shame about some of them or um sort of dislike that that was my qualities and things and for example I used to feel shame and weak for being a sensitive person and I tried to suppress this as much as possible. I would not show any sensitivity in my work 
public and but and I, I I remember like this thing like I could see that it it was something I had and I was good at but I never saw it as like a good quality so like why would I list this as one of my skills um but the more I've gotten to know myself and the more open-minded I've gotten about skills, I now see that I can use this as an advantage in a field of work where you have to uh, share deep connections uh, of like trust and emotion with others. And because I am so sensitive to mine and others' energy, I'm super in tune with what's happening around me and in that sense I I'm, I won't sort of bulldoze others in in a vulnerable situation so when you start looking at your skills or when I started looking at my skill in this way it wasn't so bad it was actually like a really good skill to have in certain trades or work it's just not something I should bring into stock trading, for example. <laughs> I don't think being sensitive would help there, but you get where I'm at. Um, so when you sit down and do this list and you sense that there are blocks or shame coming up about certain skills or gifts that you have... Um, You might, um, it might be a good idea to start uh, doing some shadow work, as it's called, about this. Um, shadow works are sort of, um, shadow work works with the parts of yourself that you're trying to hide or you might feel embarrassed about. And when you go into this, you sort of see where this pattern started. And for me, that was a really big uh, thing that I did just to see where have I where had I learned this like was it from childhood was it from some friends at school uh, my teacher my parents where did this start like where did this embarrassment or um, good or bad skill in interpretation of something start and um, when you sort of get more clear on that it really helps you to to be more relaxed about that this is a part of you um so i'll talk about shadow work um in coming episodes and uh, i'll get more into depth about tools for this and I'll also share other tools and methods I've used um, to get more in tune with just getting more in tune with my <laughs> with my um, skills and myself authentically, which is sort of the basic or the the bottom part of it, I guess. Um, no, sorry, the bottom line. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to bring to bring us back to what I was talking about before uh, of reaching my rock bottom and sort of waking up. So 
I realized I was trying to please everyone around me um, by like fitting into these categories and assumptions of what skills I needed and what work situations they wanted me to fulfill. And in the beginning, it worked sort of well, but I also realized that this behavior was really confusing to everyone around me as well as for myself, of course. Uh, and I don't really think that anyone really knew me as a person. They they didn't know like what lit me up and like what direction I had because I would just be this chameleon that would like fit into like whatever do you want me to be. And uh, of course that's confusing for yourself, but I also realized how confusing it was for everyone around me who actually wanted to get to know me. Um, but I think I was scared that if I showed them who I really was, I'd lose their respect. And because I wasn't proud of these parts of myself, I, I didn't fit the image that I wanted to present to the world around me. So it was first when I started working with my therapist that um, she would actually look at me and ask me what do you want and tell me that it was also okay that I wanted these things in life and it wasn't just me having to bend to the rules of everyone else but that we all sort of set the rules for our life the way we want it to look like and uh, she helped me start set boundaries and also let me feel like that was okay it was very scaring scary at first um to go to work for me and set boundaries or like leave early because i needed to rest or whatever uh, but she really gave me that confidence and gave me permission to to feel and listen to my body and after this I the next two years after starting working with her was uh, an explanation uh, exploration of on many different levels for me to get familiar and comfortable with my authenticity again because and I think it's so important to realize that you have to get comfortable with it too uh, you can get familiar with it, but if you're not comfortable with it, then there's still work and things about yourself that you're trying to hide or, um, or um, you're ashamed of. And I'm still working through many of those things and it's, it will constantly come off. Many refer to it as an onion where you're peeling off layers. So when you peel off one layer, there's another layer that comes out. And um, I guess we all just have to know that it's a big process. Um, yeah, but I hope that my story will maybe inspire you or help you feel brave enough to explore these things within yourself. And maybe you'll find a tool or two or a method in this podcast that you'd like and that might help you on your journey of self-discovery. So here before I finish, I'd really like to thank the Anchor app for creating such an easy and simple tool for newbies like me to use. 
This app has made it so simple and manageable for me to get started and actually create a podcast. This is not advertisement, but I'm simply just so grateful that there are tools like this that exists for all of us with something on our heart without the skill set and money for advanced production tools. I'll put a link to the app in my show notes, so if you think this sounds interesting, then go check it out. Uh, Again, it's called Anchor, and it's a really simple tool to create your podcast with. I'd also like to thank you for listening to my very first episode of my very first podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me or read the posts that I created for this episode, you can find a link to my blog in the show notes as well. And remember, if you have liked what you heard, then like and subscribe. And of course, don't hesitate to share the podcast with your friends. Until next time, take care.